0: Okay. Oh, man, it feels good to be back. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of High Performance Health. I'm your host, Dan Holguin, aka Rasta Runner, Rasta Runner, and just happy to be here with you. You know, I know it's been a few weeks since we've had a a conversation together, and honestly, the biggest reason is just because of the change of season and all of the uh, the things that have been going on here at the ranch in training. And, you know, sometimes you can't juggle them all and you have to prioritize the things that are going to move things forward the most. And so unfortunately I had to put the podcast on hold for a minute, but we're here and I'm happy to be here with you. Now, I know since the last time we spoke that there's been a lot of uh, new people, that have been kind of like coming into, into the, the realm and into the community. And if you're new, if this is your first episode, uh, or if you were referred to me through a friend, uh, I just want to officially welcome you. And, you know, just kind of start this episode out with kind of giving a little bit of a background on who I am. Uh, That way, you know, we're all caught up and and up to speed as we go into today's conversation, which is going to be all about gear that I use in the mountains. So, again, um, as the name implies, I'm Dan Holguin also known as Rasta Runner. I'm part of the Nyabingi Order of Rastafari, based out of Kingston, Jamaica, in the Blue Mountains. And, you know, I'm just really happy to be here with you. I'm also a mountain runner, you know, especially here in Glacier Park where I live, right here in Montana. And, you know, I just I, I love running in the mountains. It's something that I've been doing for about eight years now. And it kind of started, as a rebirth after losing somebody that's, you know, was really important to me, Coach C. And he unexpectedly passed in 2013. And at that time, I wasn't a runner, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I was a sprinter because I played football and, you know, a lot of other contact sports, but never was a distance runner of any kind. And in fact, didn't really like to run at all. But it's interesting how, when you, you, you go through this dramatic, traumatic life change, how quickly your ways of thinking can also shift. You upgrade your thinking, you upgrade the people you hang out with, you realize that you have so much more to give or so much more to live for on the other side of trauma. And when you have that realization, you know, you kind of almost like create anew you know, you kind of, you kind of have this, like, uh, this, this awakening, so to speak. And, and like the, the newest version, the 2.0 or the 3.0 or, you know, whatever it is comes out and all of these new things come about from it as well. And so many of those things happened for me. And, you know, like I said, one of them was really just falling in love with the process of being a good runner. You know, if I think about like Historically, you know, that that was never my strong suit, Um, but it has been something that I've genuinely fallen in love with over the past eight years. And if you're somebody that isn't a runner today, that's all good. But I'm here to tell you today that running in a lot of ways has saved my life, shaped my life, and ultimately allowed me to create um, a more vibrant, fulfilling life. And so I kind of wanted to share some things with you today that is going to make your experience and times out in the mountains more enjoyable as well. And so Nowadays in, in my athletic career, um, I'm running these mountain ultra marathons, you know, specifically that 50 to a hundred mile distance. That's, that's kind of like where I, I really enjoy spending my time as well. And typically these are like, you know, 15 to 30 hour races. Everything is straight through. If you're new to like the ultra marathon scene, it isn't like a stage race. Um, but in fact it's, it's just straight through and, what I love about it is not just like the sheer volume of, of mileage, but really like the mental unlocks that are available to you when you're just pushing yourself for that amount of time without rest, without stopping and taking a nap or whatever, but really just like peeling back the layers as to who you really are and what you're really capable of. And I think for me, like that's the biggest draw to ultra running is, is that specifically, um, and so again this podcast episode is dedicated to the year that i use the gear that i use while while i'm moving through the mountains and as a preempt to everything i'm about to discuss um, i'll say this historically you know i've never really put a premium on quality gear because to be honest i guess i i don't know i guess i just didn't care enough about it you know i just figured well you know any gear will work um, and you know i'll just go about doing it that way but as my experience has grown over the years and (laughs) the more like sketchy situations I've found myself in, the more that I realize that there's so many times where my life is hinging on the gear that I'm carrying. You know, for example, um, earlier this year in May, I did a 50 miler, uh, in Bryce Canyon. It was like a, a race that I did down in Utah. And, I got about to that mile, I don't know, 46, 47 mark. And it. Uh, at this point in the race, it's pitch black. And so I, I went into my bag and I grabbed my headlamp and threw it on. And it was good for maybe 5, 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden my headlamp goes out. And remember, it's pitch black. It's 8, 9 p.m. I'm in the middle of the mountains. I can't see anything except the outlines of, you know the the bushes on on either side of this narrow trail that I'm on and i say all that because had i put a premium on gear had i spent the extra money up front i would have had a better quality product that would have been more reliable in the mountains because who's to say that you know i i couldn't have rolled an ankle or fallen down the hill or slipped off the trail you know all of these things can happen when you have um, when you have gear that is unreliable or when you have subpar gear and so there's so many situations like that where you know nowadays like i don't I don't mind paying more for quality gear because I realize how valuable my life is, and that it's not just spending money it's investing money and that's what I want you to be thinking about today. You know, there's like that saying, "Buy once, cry once." <laughs> when it comes to you know your gear or or your, your the things that you need for your hobbies or your interests, and I think uh, in a lot of situations it's it's really true. You know, sometimes you have to spend a little bit more money up front in order to have a quality product, one that's going to last over the long term. And you know, I'm just at a point in my life right now where. I guess, A, I'm 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 blessed to have the resources to be able to do this, but I've also wised up enough to realize that, again, my life in a lot of situations hinges on the gear that I have. And so I know that, uh, that I'm going to have to pay a little bit more up front to get quality products, and I'm okay with that. And so I I just want to say that up front that way, as we go through this and, you know, we talk about like what, what the cost is for some of this gear that you're not shocked by, by the reality of the situation, but realizing that again, this is an investment in your own life and to make this fun and not just like a boring, stale conversation about running stuff. I'm going to frame the conversation around three different people and maybe you relate to this person, maybe not. But this is just all for fun and it's to kind of like give you an idea of, you know, like who who these products are for and how you can best use them, all right? Each of these three people is going to have a completely different experience and comfort level in the mountains. And <laughs> I, I guess I'm going to do my best not to stereotype here, but my bias is probably going to come through at some point. So Let's play. So first, I want you to meet Courtney. Courtney is 32. She has two kids named Ashton and Brock. She loves hoodie season. She posts progressive means and chooses coffee mugs based on her mood. Courtney used to hike and camp when she was younger, but her kids kind of like sidelined that lifestyle. And now she's getting back into it since her kids are a little bit older. All right. So meet Courtney, the first person on our list today. Next up, Next, I'd like you to meet Chad. Chad is 22 years old, works out five days a week, two of which are chest and arms. His pre-workout is called Charged, and his post-workout is called Chipotle. He's an intermediate hiker with some experience in the mountains who might run the downhills, but will be too out of breath to run the ups. But Chad means well. He's genuinely excited to be out of breath, outside of the gym, and genuinely wants to have a good time. We all know somebody like this now, don't we? Now, lastly, I want to introduce myself, 35 years old, a bit of a gear snob, a runner who immediately corrects those who asks what he's hiking this weekend, because again, he's not a hiker, self-proclaimed survivalist, refuses to run on the pavement because it's not natural and loves to tell anybody who'll listen about the mountains he's ran. He's definitely seen some things throughout his time, but is always learning and testing new things, okay? Okay. So there's these three people that we're going to oh gosh that we're going to base this around. Okay, it's just going to make this a lot easier, okay? Now, here's what I want you to 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 look at right now. Which of these three people are you? Are you Courtney the Novice? Are you Chad the Amateur? Or are you Dan the Know-it-all? <laughs> Which one are you? Do you have a little bit of experience in the mountains? Do you have none? Or are you just like the self-proclaimed king of the castle? Which one? All right. So once you've got that dialed in, let's start talking about gear. All right. Now, first off, here are the fundamentals. Okay. There are a couple different things that you have to have no matter what. And I don't care if you're hiking in the mountains. I don't care if you're running in the mountains. I don't care if you're just out on a leisurely walk. Let's get down to the foundational two items, okay? No matter if you're Courtney, Chad, Dan, whatever. Number one, I don't care if you're in mountain lion country. I don't care if you're in wild boar country, snake country, elephant country. It doesn't matter, all right? You need two forms of protection, long-range protection and short-range protection. Now, first is the long-range protection, and and honestly, this is the most important, all right? And this is a fresh can of bear spray. Now, there's several companies out there, all of which contain the active ingredient of at least like probably one to two percent capsicum or related capsicanoids, okay? And this is like that really intense pepper spray that we could typically get when we're, um, you know, like have those little keychain pepper sprays. It's the same ingredient, but just at a much higher dose. Now, interestingly enough, pepper spray was first tested and researched as an effective deterrent for bears, like beginning in the 80s. That's kind of like when it really first started to come around. And the only problem with it at that time was like knowing what that effective dose was at close range. Which kind of like led to the production of a mid to long range deterrent that that we now know as bear spray. Because what they were finding was in their tests that those little cute little keychain pepper sprays that we carry around didn't really work on bears at that, that long range distance. Maybe when the bear was, you know, a lot closer to them it worked okay. But who wants to allow a bear to get that close, right? Like 5 to 10 feet, I'm sorry, but that's, that's too close for me. And so the modern bear spray that we use now was created, which allows distances of up to 30 to 40 yards. So it's, it's a lot more effective in, in containing bears and deterring bears and ultimately protecting you from an attack. And the coolest part about this is that all of that initial research that I was telling you about that started in the 80s, it was actually done by a pair of Montanans which is a big reason why I only use counter assault bear spray when running in the mountains, because this ultimately is the company that, uh, the two people founded and is still in Montana today. Now the counter assault bear spray comes in two different size cans. It comes in the eight ounce can and it comes in, I believe the 10 ounce can. All right. The eight ounce can has a spray range of about 32 feet and will empty in about seven seconds when, you know, held wide open. The 10 ounce can has a spray range of 40 feet and will empty in about eight seconds. Either can is going to work, but in my opinion, you have, you have options. All right. And it really does work too. Here's, here's a study that I found in a book that I'm currently reading in a 2008 review of bear attacks in Alaska, all from 1985 to 2006. Researchers found that bear spray stopped a bear's, quote, undesirable behavior in 92% of cases. What they also found was that 98% of the people using bear spray in a close-range encounter, they define close-range encounters of within 40 yards, escaped without harm. I'm going to say that one more time. Researchers found that bear spray stopped a bear's undesirable behavior, In 92% of cases, I'm going to go ahead and say that undesirable behavior means that they didn't attack you, that they didn't try to maul your face off, that they didn't try to charge you in 92% of cases, those that had bear spray. The other part of this, again, 98% of people using bear spray in close range encounters escaped uninjured. All right. And this is in a roughly 25 year period. Pretty awesome. Now here's what's interesting too. When you think about like the argument of, well, maybe I should just, you know, carry a firearm because, you know, I trust a gun more than I trust a can of bear spray. Here's what's interesting. You would think that a firearm would be a better deterrent than a can of bear spray. But again, the research is proving otherwise. Here's something else that I found in this book. Now, This book that I'm reading right now is called Bear Attacks, Their Causes and How to Avoid Them. And it's by a man named Stephen Herrero, who is easily the most well-known bear expert in the world. He's like like the Michael Jordan of bear stuff. (laughs) And he's dedicated his entire life to researching these beautiful animals. All right. And he compiled 269 incidents of Bear and human conflict involving firearms that occurred in Alaska during, get this, 1883 to 2009. All right, we're talking about a lot of time, 1883 to 2009. He looked at every single incident. There was a total of 444 people and at least 367 bears that were involved during these incidents in that time period. Okay. And here's what they found, quote, we found no significant difference in success rates. For example, success being when the bear was stopped in its aggressive behavior associated with long guns, like rifles, and handguns. Moreover, I'm still quoting, firearm bears suffered the same injury rates in close encounters with bears, whether they use their firearms or not. I'm going to say that one more time. Firearm bears suffered the same injury rates in close encounters with bears, whether they use their firearms or not. And so what that study concluded was that, I mean, uh, unless you're an expert markman, you, you probably should stick to bear spray since the tolerance for accuracy using the bear spray is much less, making it easier for you to hit your target. Last thing I want to say about bear spray and why I think it's so important is, is because like, it's just, it's so much easier to carry in terms of weight. It's so much easier in terms of use. It's so much safer than a handgun because let's face it. Most people that venture into the mountains nowadays are not expert marksmen and that's totally okay. It's totally okay. Now let's talk about where to actually like put the bear spray. See, this is something that I see all the time when I'm running up in the park. Um, a lot of times I will run past a hiker or I'll, I'll just, you know, run past somebody and I won't see their bear spray at all. And it leads me to believe one of two things, either a, they didn't even bring it with them, which is silly (laughs) or B they got it packed away in their bag out of sight, out of reach. And because of that, they're putting themselves in a really dangerous position because I mean, the obvious here is, well, what if there's an attack? What if there's a charge? How quickly do you think that you can unsnap your pack, dig through, pull out, unclip the safety and fire when a bear can reach speeds of up to 35 to 40 miles an hour? Do you think that you're going to have enough time while a bear is charging you to be able to think that quickly and be as calculated as, as you'd hope to be? Probably not. And so what I would recommend and what you probably have seen in a lot of my posts when I'm in the mountains is that I have that bear spray easily accessible right on my shoulder strap. And it takes me no more than two seconds to pull it out because honestly, you're probably going to have three to five seconds tops before a bear is going to be right on top of you if there's a charge. So what I'm saying here is make sure that you have that bear spray easily accessible and readily available at all times. All right. Besides, most of these bear holsters nowadays come with, um, well, these bear sprays come with a holster and it'll attach right to your pack or right to your belts either way. Okay. So Right now I don't think that Counter Assault is um uh allowing you to go on their website exactly and buy uh <laughs> I'm so sidetracked right now. I've got probably 20 turkeys right outside my windows and I've got this baby fawn that just walked right up to my to my window is just staring at me right in the face. <laughs> just completely caught me off guard. Uh, Where was I? Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) I don't think that counter assault is allowing you to purchase directly from their website, but I do know for a fact that you can go to amazon.com right now and uh, just type in counter assault bear spray and, and the different options for you to purchase will come up. Okay. So now that we've talked about the long range protection, remember I said there was two different ones. So let's talk about short range protection. Okay. And this is so important too. And the one thing that most people miss. All right. So let me kind of paint this picture for you. Now let's go back to those three people we talked about earlier, right? Now imagine Chad is casually walking through a forest with not a care in the world, except for what he's going to eat once he gets back to town, because that's where my mind typically is too. And let's also imagine that He's not checking behind him. He's not checking the hillsides for wildlife because he really doesn't know how important this is yet. He naively feels safe because he's been in the mountains a few times and you know he once listened to a David Goggins podcast and he feels good about being out in the wilderness and on his own, all right? But out of nowhere, he feels this crushing weight on his back. Two-inch razor-sharp claws start digging into his back and neck. The force of the blow knocks him to the ground and onto his stomach. Four-inch canines wrap themselves around his neck and bite down. And in an instant, his neck snaps. Chad's dead, all right? Let's just be completely clear. He's probably right now being drug off of the trail and into the thick forest underbrush, the latest victim of a mountain lion attack. Now, this is real. This really happens. And I think that a lot of times we, we naively feel safe, like Chad did. We think that because it's a national park and there's people around and we're near the roads and you know you don't really hear about this kind of stuff, it does happen. And I think what's really important here is that he may have been able to prevent this had he been able to use the next piece of gear that I absolutely recommend that you openly carry A fixed blade knife, all right? Because here's the truth, according to research. You're going to see a bear before it sees you, no doubt. You're going to see them in front of you. You're going to see them on the hillsides. Chances are you're going to see them first. But a mountain lion is completely different. According to that research, it's highly unlikely that you'll see the mountain lion first because mountain lions stalk from behind, predatorial cats do not just jump up onto the trail and scare you. They've been stalking you for probably a while now. And if there's an attack, it's gonna be tough to deploy your bear spray at such short range without feeling some of the effects from the bear spray. And I know this to be true because when I was in high school, I was with my girlfriend and a few friends and we were uh, out to lunch. And I was in the back seat on the passenger side, and she had this can of bear spray, and there was four of us in this tiny little, like, Hyundai, Hyundai Elantra or something like that, this tiny little clown car. And I thought it would be funny to just, like, quickly spray the the bear spray down towards the ground. And even though it wasn't directly at somebody, even though I just sprayed it directly at my feet, it made the entire car like uninhabitable (laughs) like we had to pull the car over because everybody's eyes were burning and I didn't spray it for very long but it made it unbearable I mean no pun intended here but it made it so difficult to breathe to see because at short range that stuff is potent man now think about it, if you've got a mountain lion on your back. You think that that bear spray is going to really help in that situation? No. It's probably going to affect your eyesight. It's probably going to affect your ability to think rationally in the situation and know what to do. And so that's why I recommend having a fixed blade knife. It's so important because if a cat jumps on your back, you have the ability to quickly pull the knife out of its sheath and And go to work and do your best to protect yourself because according to the research, there is no playing dead with mountain lions because they're there to kill you. They're not just there to charge you and run off like a bear typically is. They are there because they're wanting to eat you and you must fight back at all costs. And so the only knife that I use is made by Montana knife company. And I'm sure that you guys have heard me talk about them before, but I love them for for a lot of reasons. Number one, they're made right here in Montana by a a couple friends of mine, and I'm definitely going to support my friends because they got a hell of a product, man. A really nice knife. They're made from high-quality, high-carbon steel, which is probably the strongest and lightest steel that you can get nowadays. The whole knife itself weighs less than two ounces, which is a... A minimalist or ultra runner or hikers dream, you know, because weight is, is an important factor. We're talking about a knife that won't break that weighs less than two ounces. It's unreal, but also because, you know, they're wrapped in paracord. And I thought this was such a nice touch that companies aren't doing this, but, but Montana knife company has really made this quality product that they wrap the handle of the knife in paracord so that if you're ever in a survival situation, I mean, paracord can be really handy. There's a thousand different uses for it. And the military has been using it for pretty much ever because of its efficiency and how many different things that, that it can, it can do to save you in, in survival situations. And so I think that with the fixed blades, there's, there's a couple really big reasons why I would recommend that over say a folding knife. Number one is under an attack, you won't have to unsheath and unfold the knife blade. The Montana knife company knife, specifically the one that I use called the speed goat comes in a kydex sheath, which is typically the same material that gun holsters are made out of. And so it's a hard plastic, a dense plastic, and it just attaches right to your belt or right to your shoulder straps on your, your running vest or your hiking pack. And you can quickly pull it out and, again, go to work if you need it to save your life. But the other reason is, if it's used during attack, the knife blade itself isn't going to break. It's not going to fold back into itself. It's a fixed blade. There's only one piece. There's no hinge. There's no spring. It's just a more effective, durable, resilient piece of equipment that will ultimately uh, save your life during an attack. And, again, it's important to keep the blade on your hip or on your chest, opposite of, of your bear spray. So for example, like when I'm running with a, a vest on, on one side of my body, I carry my bear spray. And on the other side of my body, I carry my knife. So for me, my, my specific setup is I'm left-handed. So I have my bear spray on my right side and I have my knife on my left side. And for me, that works. And and you might you might go opposite of me if you're right-handed or maybe just try them both out and just see what feels good to you. But what I would do is I would test it. I would test to see how quick my draw is with my bear spray and how quick my draw is with my knife. Because it's great to just like have those those tools available handy, but it's another thing to be able to know how to pull them out of the sheath or 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 unclip the safety on the bear spray and be in position to use them. You know, you really want to create that muscle memory for those two pieces of equipment and it doesn't matter if you're Courtney or Chad or Dan, like you just want to be efficient with your tools. And that's the way that I try to look at everything that I carry with me in the mountains. These are all my tools. And I am an expert craftsman when it comes to this because my life is incredibly valuable to me. And I want to make sure that I'm prepared for those situations. So I know that uh, Montana Knife Company is special in a way that they only do limited releases every so often. And every time they've ever done a release, they've sold out in less than a minute. And I know that uh, they have several different models to choose from. I prefer the Speed Goat because, again, it's that knife that's less than two ounces. And I just talked to uh, one of the owners, my buddy, Brandon, and he told me that the next Speed Goat release is in November. So at the time of this recording, which is mid-October 2021, we're looking at next, or excuse me, we're looking at November, which is in the next couple weeks, all right? And you can get a Montana Knife Company blade by visiting their website, montananifecompany.com. Okay? So... All right. Now that we've talked about the two fundamental pieces here, we've talked about long range protection with the bear spray. We've talked about short range protection with the fixed blade knife. Let's get into some of this other stuff. And, you know, right now I'm sitting in my, in my office slash podcast studio, and I've got this table in front of me with all kinds of different stuff. Okay. So first off, let's talk about, The main piece of equipment that you're going to be carrying the things in, and this is going to be like your pack. Okay, so there's different things that I look for when it comes to a pack, and really, I'm going to cover three different types of packs. I'm going to cover vests, I'm going to cover fanny packs, and I'm going to cover just a, a typical like bear spray holster. All right, so the first one is a running vest. Now, I like the vests for any type of like all day events. So let's say, for example, um, you know, I'm going out and I'm going to do a full day's worth of hiking. I think that whether you're Courtney or whether you're Chad, um, these are both really good options, whether you're just an amateur or just like a rank beginner in the mountains. These are great because they mimic a backpack. We know how a backpack feels and they've got typically like the most room. You're able to put the most amount of things in them. Your cell phone, your water, your food, um, all of these other things. And I think that for the most part, if you're Courtney or Chad, this is going to be the most familiar and the most comfortable. Now, there's a couple of different companies that make packs. The two companies that I recommend is number one, Flag Nor Fail. Now, it isn't out yet, and don't tell in many people I told you this, but very soon Flagnor Fail is releasing their first ever hiking slash runners vest. And this is actually a really cool product because, um, well, I was involved in, in the entire process of testing it and researching it and developing it. And actually the one that was out in the field testing this thing. And we went through three different revisions before we finally got the one that uh, that we landed on. And it's Perfect! I love it. It fits amazing. It's such a different type of vest than anything I've ever worn before, and I don't want to give too much of it away, but I will say this: this vest that we created, myself and Flag Norfail, is one that I know that you're really going to love. There's different elements of it that make it really special, including the. The, uh, the the water bladder itself, it comes with an insulated hose that runs from the pack all the way up to your mouth. And so when you get into these colder temperatures, your water doesn't freeze, which I thought was amazing because when we were testing it, it was about negative 10 to negative 20 and I was running outdoors with it. And so that insulated hose like really kept my, my water from freezing. Not only that, but the place on the chest plate where your phone goes is completely waterproof. So if you have valuables or electronics, you can store them in there so that if you ever have to wade through a river or you drop your pack and it actually drops in the water somewhere, that your electronics stay safe. But not only that, it just has a lot of room for the things that you're going to need. Again, whether you're Courtney, whether you're Chad, And again, whether you're me, like it doesn't matter. This is a really great pack. Another option that I recommend is a brand called Osprey. And the reason I like Osprey is that's kind of like where I started when it comes to packs. Um, You are paying a premium for the product, but here's why. It doesn't matter if you've bought an Osprey pack in 1979 or in 2021. They have a lifetime warranty against RIPs tears, things that break, zippers. It doesn't matter. They have a lifetime warranty on repair, whether you bought the product or whether it was given to you or you bought it at a garage sale or you bought it brand new from the store. It doesn't matter. They will fix it free of charge. And you just don't see that anymore. And I really appreciate that about Osprey. So these vests work really well because, you know, they, they're just what, I think a lot of us are most comfortable with because they relate most to a backpack. They typically tend to fit a little bit tighter and there is like a lot of compression through the upper chest and lung cavity. Um, but that's just to be expected because they're supposed to fit tight to your body. Now the next pack is, uh, is actually like a fanny pack. And this is like something that I I started with originally too back in 2013 what I like about these is this is meant for the chads. This is meant for Dan, who have experience in the mountains, who don't typically carry a lot of things. So if you're more of like a minimalist, a fanny pack can actually work really well for you. There's a couple different differences here. Number one is that instead of it being wrapped around your upper body, the fanny pack obviously goes around your waist. But the cool thing is is that these, these waist pads – and everything that wraps around you is actually padded really well. So there's no chafing, there's no rubbing, there's no uh, uncomfortableness to them at all. They actually look and fit really nicely and they tighten up by just these drawstrings on either side. Now, when it comes to like the actual like storage capacity... Obviously, you're not getting as much as you would in one of the vests. But again, if you're running, you know, as a minimalist here, then it, it really is a good fit. I like using these packs when I'm going fast in the mountains or when I'm only running like, say, 20 miles or less. That typically works best for me because I know I'm not going to be out there all day. I'm just going to be there a few hours and I don't need a ton of stuff. Now, instead of having a bladder like you would get in a vest, typically with the fanny packs, there are these um, like two little holsters for water bottles to go. And so that's typically how I use um, my water setup in a a fanny pack. The fanny pack that I use is called the, uh, what is this? What do they call this? They call this the Talon 6 by Osprey. And again, it's got that lifetime warranty on materials, on repairs, all of that stuff. And that fanny pack has actually been treating me really well on these, um, these runs that are typically 20 miles or less. So you might want to try that as well. I don't think that I would recommend it for a beginner. I don't think that Courtney would really, uh, appreciate this piece of equipment, but again, the Chads, the Dan's, the minimalists, those only spending a few hours in the Hills would, would really, um, like this setup entirely. Now, the last piece of equipment here is just the the waist banded Bear spray holster, and there's a company out there right now called Scat. S C A T, and Scat is kind of a play on words for you know when a bear poops. It's uh, the the technical term is scat. I don't know why they chose that word, but I'm not here to judge. Um, but the cool thing about this is that it's not a fanny pack. It's not a vest. It's even more minimalistic than the fanny pack because all it has room for is a can of bear spray your phone in maybe one gel pack and that's really all you have room for on this thing and this is perfect for Courtney this is perfect for you know the the mom that wants to just take the dogs out on the local trails maybe a couple miles in length total doesn't really need water with her maybe just wants to have her bear spray her phone in case she needs to make a call maybe even her car keys but that's it. This is a really great option as well. And typically, I use the Bear Spray Holster from SCAT uh, when I'm just doing something that's you know three to four miles tops. Again, I don't need to carry water. I don't need to carry any type of locator devices. I just want bare bones. This is typically my option. So again, to go over those again one more time, the vest is a great option for the Courtney's, for the Chad's, for the Dan's. The fanny packs are best for just like a few hours out in the hills, typically those that are more minimalist in nature, and then finally, just that that bear spray holder by scats for those that are just doing maybe a a mile or two out for a a walk with the dog or whatever, okay? So that's covering packs. Um, The next thing here is nutrition, now, uh, nutrition is one of those things that's more of a personal preference than anything i'm going to share first off what I use on big days in the mountains, and then we'll kind of go from there um, what's most important to me when i 'm running is that i'm getting a constant supply of macronutrients that are going to help me perform the best and while i'm running when i'm you know got my heart rate up and i'm I'm burning through a lot of sugars there's two big things that I use I use. Um, calorie and flavored gel packs. And typically these are, you know, like 100 to 125 calorie gels that I pop every 30 minutes. They give me that quick boost of sugar, that quick boost of carbohydrates, and they allow my body to just continue to go um, without really feeling any dips in blood sugar at all. Now, the other thing that I really like, that's easy on my stomach, that keeps me feeling like I'm getting like that that solid food taste, but not really getting that like uh, that satient feeling, are these uh, these like stroop waffles. You know, and this is something that I think that in a lot of, a lot of ways we've probably just ate for the hell of it as a snack. But like, really, this is a, this is a really good fuel source for when you're in the mountains. It's lightweight. It doesn't take up a lot of room in your pack. And they actually are really sweet and sweet with honey and taste really good. And they're actually really filling as well. So I really like the gels. I really like the Stroop waffles. Both of the ones that I use are made by a company called Goo. The letters simply just G U Goo. And the reason I like them is because they just have so many great flavors. For the gel packs, right now, my two favorite flavors are the espresso love, which tastes like coffee even though I don't like to drink coffee, I love the way it smells. Um, and uh, they also have the, uh, the blueberry and salted chocolate stroop waffles from goo as well. Both of those taste phenomenal. They're about 140 calories a piece. And uh, both of these products have electrolytes and sodium built into them, which kind of just makes it like this perfect fuel for when you're out in the mountains. Now, There's other things that you can take too, like if you're Courtney or if you're Chad, um, I would recommend first having some of the gel packs and I would recommend having some random other whole foods as well. I think that typically for Courtneys and Chads, you're probably not going to want to like sit and suck on uh, a ton of gel packs all day. You're probably not going to want to just eat a bunch of waffles when you're out on the trail. Uh, but what I would recommend is have a couple gel packs, but mostly carry whole foods that you would really enjoy. you know, the trail mixes or the pop tarts or you know whatever food you feel like would be um, most important to have out there for you, go for it. But if you're more like me, if you you're, you know you're going to be out there for 8, 10, 12 hours at a time and you really want to focus on performance, go with the gels primarily, go with the waffles primarily, and then if you absolutely want to have something else, you know, maybe bring maybe bring a Pop-Tart or two. But really, you want to be thinking about quality sugar sources, quality carbohydrate sources, and things that are gonna get into your bloodstream quickly. And typically, those are the products that are gonna do it. Okay, so for nutrition, those are my three things specifically, products made by goo, the gels, the stroop waffles, and then any of that other random stuff that you wanna mix in there. Next, let's talk supplements. Now, I don't really take a ton of supplements, if I'm being completely honest and even less when I'm out in the mountains, but there are two things that I absolutely love and I won't go on a long run without. Number one is my electrolyte tablets. Now, I take these every 30 minutes because as you're running, as your body's under stress, you're burning through electrolytes really, really quickly. And you've got to make sure that you're continuing to resupply your body with these. Now, again, I'm speaking from my standpoint, all right? So every 30 minutes, I pop one of these Hammer Nutrition Enduralite capsules. And the other thing that I'm also taking every 30 minutes is a sodium capsule, which is strictly salt that's helping me to reduce cramping, reduce fatigue, and ultimately just allowing me to perform at a higher level. Hammer Nutrition and salt pills made by a company called Salt Stick. You can find Hammer Nutrition products available at their website, hammernutrition.com. You could also go to Amazon. For the Salt Stick um, salt pills, you can get those online as well. I I get mine through amazon.com. Now, for all of the stuff that I've talked about so far, I don't have codes. I don't have affiliate links. I'm not a sponsored athlete in any way. I just really love their products. And I think that you will too. Now, let me ask this. Uh, I know that someone's going to ask me, you know, do I need to be taking um, Enduralites? Do I need to be taking the salt pills every 30 minutes? Well, if you're me, I would. If you're Courtney, I wouldn't worry about it. If you're Chad, I, I probably wouldn't worry about it either. Because again, if you're if you're bringing your own foods, your own solid foods, chances are you're going to get some sodium in those. Chances are you're going to have plenty of calories to fuel you throughout the day, and you don't necessarily need to be focused on the electrolytes. So again, the electrolytes and the salt pills, I wouldn't really recommend for Courtney's or Chad's. Those are typically just for the Dan's, all right? Uh, next on our list. So actually, let me back up. We've talked about Short and long range protection, right? We've talked about packs. We've talked about nutrition. We've talked about supplements. Now let's go into safety, all right? Safety, safety, safety. This is so important and probably the one thing that Courtney's and Chad's miss most. They don't bring a first aid kit because probably they're not running full speed and they dang sure ain't running downhill as fast as possible. But the Dan's are, and the Dan's realize that, oh shoot, you know, anything can happen out there. And I'm not going to just be able to walk up to a counter and ask for a band aid. I need to have that stuff with me because remember, nobody is coming to save you out there. You must be accountable to yourself. Okay, and I take an ultralight first aid kit made by a company called Adventure Ready. It's a company named Adventure Ready, and in this kit is a set of band aids, some gauze, some alcohol swabs, um, some alcohol pads, a quick suture kit. Uh, I've got a lot of different things in here for pretty much anything that comes up in the mountains. I've also added. A couple things to it as well i've added a pack of moleskin in case i start getting a weird blister which you know thankfully my, my feet are really strong uh, i haven't had to use it yet but it's in there in case i need it and i've also included um, a few ibuprofen as well so a first aid kit is very important to have okay so make sure that you get one of those again the, the pack that i use is made by a company called Adventure Ready. So whether you're Courtney, whether you're Chad, Dan, it doesn't matter. I recommend having one of these with you. All right. Now the next thing, this is probably only for the Chads. This is probably only for the Dans. All right. Those that have some experience in the mountains or those that are like really putting themselves out in the wilderness. Those are like, You know, the ones that are going like 20, 30 miles in the backcountry, far, far away from the nearest road or or service area. Now, there's a product out there by a company called Garmin called the InReach Mini. The InReach Mini. And this is a small, like fits in the palm of your hand device that allows um, satellite communication, to send text messages, to receive text messages. And it's actually really cool because it's also um, a GPS device. And with a regular subscription service, you're able to send and receive text messages no matter where in the planet you are, as long as you have a, a clear shot of the of the sky. And I can't tell you how valuable this product is. Now, I think I paid $350 for it. And then the service is about $15 a month. But let me tell you again, like we're talking about how valuable your life is. We're talking about like how valuable the, uh, peace of mind is for your loved ones. You know, if I'm being completely honest, Gabriella gets like really anxious when I go out on these like big epics in, in Glacier Park, when she knows that I'm going to be gone for, 12 15 hours uh and I'm covering 30 40 50 miles at a time nowhere near anybody or any service and it's really nice that when I get up into the mountains I can send a text message every so often just quickly saying hey everything's good just checking in or hey I'm starting my run now hope you have a great day you can do that with this device and again think about the peace of mind that it provides to your loved ones Another cool part about using this piece of equipment is I can leave the app open on my computer screen and she can see in real time where I'm at on the map because another feature of this is that it involves uh, live tracking. So she can literally see where on the trail I am at all times. It's really cool. I can drop waypoints. I can leave breadcrumbs. I can do all of that with this Garmin inReach Mini. And for the chads, And for the Dan's that are like really getting after it and getting into the real wilderness, I'd recommend getting this. Again, it was 350 bucks up front for the device. And then I think $15 a month. Um, The next piece of safety equipment that I use, and this is actually something that I just started using recently, is just with my cell phone. You know, I, I typically am out. 12, 15 hours, like I've been saying. All right, and in that time, with my phone, you know, being used because I'm recording videos and stuff for Instagram, I'm uh, I'm listening to music on loud the entire time because I use it as a bear deterrent, but also just to increase the stoke factor. It's really important that I have uh, a phone that has some battery life. You know, I don't want my phone to die out there because that can be a potential safety issue. So what I started doing recently is I upgraded my phone and I also bought a phone case that has a battery pack attached to it. Pretty handy, right? Like pretty sweet. And it actually has been working out really well because as soon as my battery starts to drop into the 20, 30%, no problem. All I got to do is push a button on the back of the phone case and boom, my phone's charging and I got a full a full charge uh, an hour later. So it's just a really handy piece of equipment that I would say is absolutely worth it. The phone case that I bought was like 40 bucks, man. Completely worth it. So covering safety again real quick. We talked about having a first aid kit made by Adventure Ready, the brand. You can get that online at their website as well. We talked about the Garmin inReach Mini, the satellite GPS text message and tracking device. And we've talked about having a phone with either a good battery or getting a, a phone case that has that battery pack attached to it. Okay. Now I got a few more things that I want to cover. The next thing is my watch. Now I'm kind of a watch nerd only because, you know, the numbers are important to me. I want to know how far I've gone. I want to know my heart rate. I want to know what my splits are because as an endurance athlete, all of that stuff matters. It's important. And the watch that I use, the only watch that I use, is the Vertix 2 and the Apex Pro by Koros. And Koros is a company that I've been rocking with for since I started, really. Um, It's a company that I really believe in. They're really progressive and, like, really leading the industry with – uh, with a, a quality product. And one of the best things that I like about this watch is the battery life. I'm going to say it again. I'm out in the mountains <laughs> all day long. And sometimes when I'm doing these 100-mile races, it's 24 to 30 hours. And I can't afford for my watch to just die on me, right? The battery life on these watches is insane. To give you some perspective, the the average battery life in full GPS mode on these types of watches lasts about eight to 12 hours tops, all right? Here's what's so crazy about these Coros watches. In full GPS mode, I can go almost seven days straight. I don't have to charge this watch, but once every 30 days. It's insane how long this battery lasts. To give you a perfect example, I actually lost my watch. Um, I was at a race down in southern Montana, and I actually left the watch at the hotel. And I, I didn't get the watch back for a couple weeks, and I know that I didn't get a chance to shut off the GPS mode. And when I finally got the watch mailed to me from the hotel, it still had a charge. Like the the battery was still on. The watch was still going. It was actually like a really cool testament to the watch's battery life. And that's important. The other thing that I really like about the Coros Apex Pro and the Vertex 2 is that the metrics are accurate. They're really, really accurate. And, you know, I've, I've used another watch brand before. I've used the Garmin watch. And, you know, what? my heart rate would say on the watch versus what I actually felt it to be was not accurate at all. And in fact it kind of just turned me off to the product entirely. But when I use the Koros man, I'll tell you it it really does feel dead on. And and I really like that. And so I've really developed a good relationship with the company and the product itself. And I'd highly recommend them. And again I'm not a um a sponsored athlete with Koros at the moment. Um, But I know that in the near future, we're going to have something worked out. And I really would recommend trying this watch out. The Coros Apex Pro or the Vertix 2? Um, I think that the Apex or the Apex Pro would be great for Courtney. It would be great for Chad. And I think that the Vertix 2 would be an excellent watch for, for the Dan's out there. You know, the ones that are again, really pushing themselves into the wilderness and really, really need a good satellite tracking, uh, watch that you can actually like view the maps on your phone. Okay. Next on our list is, um, shoes and clothing. And I'm going to put these into, into one group because I think it's all the same. Now, clothing wise, I only wear Flagner Fail. Like we should, we should know this by now. When it comes to uh, training shorts, when it comes to compression shorts, when it comes to long sleeve tops, short sleeve tops, socks, I'm wearing Flagner Fail, man. Number one is just because it's just good training gear. It's it's excellently made. The materials are meant to last. It breathes well. It dries quick. It's a quality product, man. You can wash that stuff. So many times, and it still comes out looking and feeling brand new. And and that's one of the best things I love about it. Not to mention, the people that run the company are my friends, and I want to support them, you know, much like Montana Knife Company. And so it's a win-win when the people that make the product stand behind it as much as as they do, and it's actually a really good piece of equipment. And so whether you're Courtney, whether you're Chad, whether you're Dan – Flag nor fail has a, a piece of clothing that is going to work really well for your time spent in the mountains. Personally, there's a couple different things that I'm really liking right now. Um, flag nor fail just released their apex short 3.0s or the 3.1s both of which come in a five and a half inch inseam design. So if you got big legs like me, having a bit of a shorter short gives you more range of motion with less restriction. Um, But it also comes with and without the compression liner. Personally, I like a compression liner because my, my thighs tend to rub together. And when I have the compression liner there, they don't rub and I can go longer without irritation. So, I recommend the Apex 3.0s or 3.1 training shorts. Now, for the shirts, I mean, there's different options there. I mean, I typically like running in a long-sleeve shirt that they make, but I've also ran in the short-sleeve versions as well. The reason I like the long-sleeve is because the material is a little bit softer and the shirts don't fit as tight as my short sleeves do. And they kind of, like, give me that flexibility of having a lot of, like, breathing ability but also protect me from the sun protect me from the wind a little bit more so than a t-shirt would and so i would recommend checking out and seeing what they have available right now for tops too and you know again they also make a really good pair of socks as well um, i've been using my flag nor fail socks it's funny to say this but over a year now wearing them regularly in the mountains and not having any issues no holes and uh, washing them, gosh, I don't even know how many times now. And they still fit great. They still look great. So, again, these are quality products I think would be a, a great place to start. And you can check them out at flagnorfail.com. Now, two more things. Let's talk shoes and then let's talk uh, water filtration. Okay? Shoes. I've pretty much done just about every shoe company out there Uh that's worth their salt in the trail running scene. I've done the Solomons, I've done La Sportiva, I've done Brooks, I've done Ultra. I've done all of these different companies, and I've spent a good amount of time trying their shoes out. And what I keep coming back to, and what I've actually found works best for me, is a company called Ultra. And they're based out of Utah. And what I really love about their shoes is that they aren't a narrow-fitting shoe like every other company. See, what makes Ultra so special is that they really believe in creating a shoe that allows the toes to flex and extend and splay out naturally like they would if you were running barefoot. You know, I think a lot of times companies nowadays are – are making a really narrow toe box in their shoes, and it doesn't allow the the toes to move naturally, and that can cause a lot of problems for your feet. And as soon as I put on a pair of ultras, I was like, whoa, something's different here, man. Like, I just ultimately felt like I could breathe. I had more room, and the shoes just fit better. And they have so many different shoes to choose from, from road running to, you know, hiking to trail running, but I typically rotate between three different models of their trail running shoes, all right? And the three that I use are the Lone Peaks, which are their, their lowest level of cushioned shoe. This would be a great hiking shoe for the Courtney's, for the Chad's. I also really like their mid-level cushioned shoe, which is called the Timps T-I-M-P-S, the Ultra Timps and those are a mid-level cushion shoe. This would be great for somebody that's maybe on the on the heavier side that's hiking all day that wants a little bit more cushion. And then the, I also use recently just added these into my into my rotation, the Ultra Olympus, which is their highest level cushion shoe. And what I like about the Olympus is that for the big heavier dudes like me, like right now, I'm about 198, 200 pounds. This shoe will allow me to run over rocky terrain, sticks, stumps, all of that different stuff, and uh, I can do that all day and really like not feel a ton of impact through my midfoot, through my heel, and uh, I just really like the amount of cushion on these. And to be honest, their color schemes are rad. They look good, they fit good. And um from like a weight perspective, these shoes are only you know 11 12 ounces for for the uh, for the Olympus, their highest level cushioned shoe. and it just goes down in weight from there based on the temps like I mentioned, which was the mid level and then ultimately the lone Peaks, which is the um, the, the lowest level cushioned shoe that they have. So I would definitely recommend trying those out. Again, if you're more of a heavy guy, the Olympus is a good start or the Timps. And then if you're a little bit lighter, um, I think that the the Lone Peaks are a great place to start. So try those. You can get them at ultra, what is that? I think it's like ultrafootwear.com, A-L-T-R-A, footwear.com. Last thing on our list when it comes to gear, man, we're just rolling through this. So we've talked about long and short range protection. We've talked about packs. Vests, fanny packs, bear spray holders, we talked about nutrition, we talked about supplements, safety, first aid kits, in reach. many, we talked clothing, talked shoes. Last thing, let's talk about water filtration, all right? This is for Chad, and this is for Dan, and maybe even Courtney, if Courtney's spending a long day out in the hills, you know, especially if you get into areas that, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to be close to any type of service. You're probably going to want to have some filtration equipment with you to pull out of a stream or a river or whatever, because, you know, you could, you could try to raw dog it. I mean, I'm not going to say that I've never just like filled up a bottle from the stream, but you never know, uh, you know, what could be in that, in that water. And you want to make sure that you're playing it safe as best as you can. So you have a couple different options. Um, you can either use a pump system. Or you can use a water bottle that has a filter attached to it. And I use both, depending on the situation. Now, when I'm running and I'm out there all day long, I will definitely take a, uh, a, a small water pump by a company called MSR. MSR. And the product that they have is called the Trail Shot Mini. And what I like about the trail shot mini is that it's really small as the name implies. It doesn't weigh very much and it's basically a pump on one end that fits in your hand and then it's a hose on the other. And you just put the opposite end of the hose into the water source and then you just have the pump in your hand and you're just slowly pumping water into your flask or into your bladder, whatever you have. And it actually comes in handy. I really like this piece of equipment. It retails for about $50 and, um, is good for, shoot, man, I don't know, a few years before having to replace the the cartridge in there. The other piece of equipment that I'm just starting to use is a a water bottle flask, meaning it's like a soft flask, and it's made by a company called Katadyn, K-A-T-A-D-Y-N, made by Katadyn. And what's kind of neat about this is that it's a soft flask, meaning it isn't like a hard water bottle, but instead just like the same material that the the bladder would be. Um, But it has a water filter attached to it. So you literally like just take the cap off of the soft flask and you fill the soft flask. And all you got to do is just reattach the top and just go ahead and drink. And as you drink it, the water is filtered directly into your mouth, which I think is a really clean design. I will say this after testing the soft flask with the filter, um, on my vest and on my fanny pack, I don't recommend this. If you're running for use with the fanny pack only because it's really difficult to like stuff a soft flask into a tight pocket on the, on the, um, on the vest, or excuse me, on the, on the fanny pack. But what I would recommend is instead either having it in your running vest or maybe even just holding it in your hand. That typically is going to work best in this situation. And you can get that at catadyne.com K-A-T-A-D-Y-N.com. And I think I paid $40 for that piece of equipment. So yeah, man, we covered a lot today. Um, I hope that, uh, I hope that all made sense. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope that kind of gives you a better idea of the things that you're going to need to take with you from the fundamental pieces like the bear spray and having a good fixed blade knife to some of these auxiliary pieces of equipment, like a fancy watch and a good pair of shoes and a, and a water filter. I hope that this was helpful. If you know somebody that you feel would really benefit from listening to this podcast, please send this to them. Um, If you listen to it and you got a lot of value out of it, tag me on Instagram, send me a message, let me know what you think. But, you know, again, I'm excited to be back on a podcast with you. And again, if this is your first time listening and being here with me, I just want you to know that I appreciate you for spending a little bit of your time here with me today. So again, my name is Dan Holgwin, aka Roster Runner. And I'm just so excited to be here with you. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Rastafari.